0: Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. I will share ways to increase your confidence tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Graceful Confidence podcast. I am so excited to share this conversation with all of my listeners. I had the pleasure of interviewing co-leaders, Jennifer Mulholland and Jeff Shuck, who jointly own and direct the firm Plenty Consulting. At Plenty Consulting, Jeff, Jennifer and team help conscious leaders and businesses grow. They help organizations develop profitable and purpose-driven strategies. Jennifer is a strategist, alchemist, and executive coach dedicated to raising the consciousness of people on the planet. Before becoming co-owner of Plenty, Jennifer was chief innovation officer at SunGuard, a Fortune 500 technology company. She later founded several businesses focused on bridging the gap between information and impact in healthcare and holistic well-being jeff's career blends deep experience in leadership development and social impact strategy with a background in management data analysis and creative execution jeff is a lifelong coach and entrepreneur prior to founding plenty jeff was co-founder and ceo of fundraising firm event 360 raising nearly a billion dollars for charity over 12 years this conversation is so inspiring and motivating and is all about becoming a conscious leader i hope you enjoy Jeff and Jennifer, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: We're doing terrific. Thanks so much for
2: having us. Thanks for having us, Lauren.
0: Thank you so much for being here. It is is an absolute pleasure. If, If you don't mind, I'd like to kick us off with hearing a little bit about how you both got into this particular line of work.
1: Sounds great. I guess I will start um, without, Mm -hmm. this is a longer story, but would just say I kind of came into the world wired to make a positive difference, like many of your listeners. And that pursuit took many forms. Um, I was always interested in leadership and strategy. And I I'm the third-generation female entrepreneur in the health and wellness industry, and so I had an appetite for people. I always gravitated to um, teams and services and the human aspect of business, and that really built upon my career as being an athlete and wired to compete, Um, but doing that amongst teams. I really was a team player and love that community aspect. So um, a bit of my career took me into the tech world, which is where Jeff and I met over 25 years ago, and also kind of wove into some nonprofit work as I brought women's lacrosse to the state of Utah. Um, But again, that appetite for how do we use ourselves to make really positive change in the world and that ethos was really based upon an, uh, an idealism of positivity. So um, lots more to say, but in a nutshell, I think my my interest in this field came from harnessing and tapping into my own potential and helping to do that for others. How do we How do we tap into what we're here for? and how do we share our gifts with the world in the most unique and authentic way? Jeff, would you um, like to answer that?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I love the the notes that Jen hit in that answer. I, you know, in our work with clients, we talk a lot about the idea that if you want to make a difference in the world, it's more important to have a sense of possibility than it is to have a plan. And I think both of our careers have kind of followed that. Jen likes to say, if you look back, it it makes more sense sometimes than when, when you look forward. And I think for me, it's been doing what we what we tell um, our clients is just taking the next step and taking the next step and always trying to sense what what comes next. I, I was an idealist from the, the earliest I can remember and always felt that the world could be better. And sometimes that was kind of in an angry way, like the angry young man kind of way. Um, but that landed me in the nonprofit space and that landed me in to a leadership role. And I think just each step of the process of my career, trying to listen to what I thought was possible for myself and trying to figure out, you know, if the, if, if better is possible, then good isn't enough, I think was always my, my defining mantra when I was, when I was younger. And, you know, that's led us to a place where we work with a lot of rabble rousers and idealists and conscious leaders and dreamers and doers. And it's just, it's fun work um, every day. And I think there's still more possibilities sometimes than planned, but it's fun to sketch out both.
0: Jeff, you mentioned the term conscious leader. What, what does being a conscious leader mean to you all?
2: Yeah, let me start with that. And maybe Jen, you can color in the lines at plenty. We talk about conscious leadership is three things. It's being aware, being aligned, and being intentional. And we, I think there's there's a lot of um, dialogue right now in the space about conscious leadership and mindful leadership. And I don't know that we always necessarily try to draw a distinction to them, but in in our world, these three things of aware, aligned, and intentional speak to something beyond um, simply being mindful. They speak to a way of Seeing the world without attachment, making decisions that are true for you, and then choosing to, you know, be an agent of your own life. Maybe I'll stop there and see, Jen, how would you add to that or explain that further?
1: Yeah, I mean, being aware, aligned and intentional is something we all can be accountable and responsible for. And it's really the pathway for what we've found to lead ourselves through change and difficult times and tap into that possibility of abundance that Jeff was referring to, you know, being aware means really being present and being here, dropping the, the multitasking, bringing your full attention to this present moment and, and really harnessing the gift that we've all been given is our presence, that impact that we Make when we enter a room or we enter a conversation. It's the imprint we leave behind when we come into contact with someone. It's the quality of our listening. And the more aware we are, we get to see the signs and signals and synchronicities that happen outside of ourselves, like the random phone call that comes from the person you just thought about, or, you know, seeing numbers on your phone that have an inspiring meaning to you or a sign on the bumper of somebody's car, the license plate. That's just the word you need to hear at just that moment. But it's also being aware of the signals that your body gives you this vessel of intelligence and wisdom that oftentimes because of the pace of life and survival and information coming in, we kind of disconnect from this, resource of knowledge and wisdom that we all carry in our physical vessel that's speaking to us all the time. So awareness is really, you know, most of conscious leadership. It's like, how aware can we be of the nuances, the symphony, the connections that are happening outside of ourselves, in our workplaces and our families in our environment, but also how tuned in can we be to the signals that our body's telling us when we're on or off, or when something is for us and when it's not for us. And that leads us to alignment. So once we become aware, we get to really kind of filter, if you will, or discern whether something is in alignment with where we want to express and where we want to go and what lights us up and where it's not so we use a term called or a question does it expand us or does it contract us it's a really great simple question to tune in to to tell you whether we're aligned to a yes or aligned to a no and it's not to say we need to be judgy about it it's just discerning what works for us and what doesn't and so that's the, the the kind of quality of alignment. So once we're aware, we get to kind of navigate the choices, the yeses and nos we have all throughout the day, all throughout our business, all throughout our decisions as to does this align for me? Does this align for my team? Does this align for my business purpose and mission or not? And then once we have that, we get to make intentional choices. And so we believe there's a difference between intention and goal, and I won't talk about that right now, but the intentionality is is our come from. It's the feeling we want to have at the end of the day or the feeling we want to walk away with after this conversation. It's how I show up. It's It's within my control, if you will, to feel however I want to feel based on whatever experiences are going to come at me. I'm usually not in control of the experiences that are coming at me. That's quite uncertain. But what we do have control of and responsibility for is is our, our choices and how we are intentionally going about our day and intentionally going about our feelings. So we use aware, aligned, and intention because it works in terms of harnessing our ability to be conscious in our leadership of how we are living our lives, leading our workplaces, and most importantly, leading ourselves. And I love that point, Jeff, that you made, and maybe you could talk about it, just that there is a subtle difference about mindful leadership and conscious leadership, and they're not at odds. They complement each other, but we see them a little bit differently
2: well yeah and maybe i'll i'll hit that but let me do one other thing say one other thing too i mean i think the summary that i give to what jen said is you know aware is i see aligned is i choose and intentional is i act and sometimes the best action is no action by the way and i think like what's underlying your question lauren is you know, we have an epidemic right now of unconscious management, right? Of judging before knowing, of, you know, gripping for control rather than looking for shared choice, of acting before we know, of, you know, deciding we know what's right. You know, the the unconscious ramifications are everywhere. And so, The idea of conscious leadership is that we all have a role in making the world better. And it starts with ourselves. It starts with just being able to take in information without deciding if it's good or bad, without deciding that it's going to hurt us, you know, without deciding that the people who are giving us the information are bad people. And then if we can start there, then we can find all the things that we also desperately want in the world, like common ground, like dialogue, like caring, like kindness, But it starts with opening our eyes, realizing, you know, other people's opinions can't harm us, that we don't need to control the things around us, and frankly, that we can't. And I think those things get us to the maybe the difference that we see between conscious leadership and mindful leadership that, Jen, you're teeing up. And again, it's not really at the end of the day, it's a semantic conversation that's not super interesting to us. But I think what we see in the dialogue about mindful leadership is maybe something that's sometimes overly passive. We were incarnated on this planet to to make it better for ourselves and for other people. And the idea of conscious leadership is that we have a role in that, that we're not just kind of It's not all about meditation and yoga, although those those are important practices. It's not all about staying calm ourselves. It's about creating that for other people too, right? It's about creating something that's better for them too. And that's what conscious leadership is.
0: All of that. I love all of that. Um, (laughs) There's just, it's, it's fantastic. The The challenge that, that I see, and I'd be interested from your perspective, and I think, Jen, you mentioned this, but there's so much coming at us every single day, every second of every day, uh, work, family, what's going on in the world. If if someone recognized, maybe I do want to be a more conscious leader. I want to become more aware. Where do they even start?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um just the question itself, if somebody asked that, would say that their awareness is increasing, right? Um, Because oftentimes we first notice the things that don't work, the things that are bugging us, the triggers, the contraction, the overwhelm, the not having enough time, not having enough space, um, coming home from work, feeling depleted, feeling scattered, um, feeling lost and alone. Like all those are signals to say, okay, what if I slow down? What if I created more space? And that field for us, that has really been a game changer that when we talk about practicing awareness and we, I spoke a bit about presence when we're going, when our plates are too full and you see this a lot in the workplace, where there's so much demand for output and productivity. And, you know, to climb the corporate ladder or to accomplish these things, you have to do more. And it's always like, do more, be more, have more. And what we've found in our careers is it's kind of confusing. It's, it's actually the opposite of that. The more we can create space to feel really present with what is ever in front of us. At the moment, then we get to discern whether whatever's in front of us, we want to be in relationship with it. And sometimes it feels like that's not a free choice for many people, but when we unpack it and see, well, if I wasn't running on the hamster wheel and I could create just a bit more space in the day to reflect on what works for me. What do I need to thrive? Where are my gifts so I can share those in service of others, of my team, of the business, of my community? Then we start to create more fulfillment that is generated from the inside out. It's more, we don't have to rely on other people telling us what to do. We find it within ourselves. We call that passion. Passion is this fuel that we really can't, architect. It's either you have it on a certain subject or cause or care, or you don't. And we all have different cares and desires and passions, which is the neatest thing. It's why we need community. But if we can really make space for our cares to surface and put and channel our t- our time and our talent that's natural to us into those areas, then we create more of this inner fulfillment that overflows from our body and being in service of the whole. Like we can't help but share it. That's just the nature, right? Versus what we see a lot is people are so overscheduled and they're so tired. And really, there's no sturdiness of of the grounding. And that's where we would say, Mindfulness or being aware that my plate is too full. That's, that's consciousness. So, what needs to be removed from that plate so that I can find more grounding in order to bring forth what I care about and bring forth my talents and gifts? So, there's a lot more to say there, but what we, we definitely find that the more space we can schedule into our day, the more space we can take to have nothing scheduled in those moments of transition from subject to subject or role to role, because we all play, have a gazillion roles that we're playing these days, um, then we're able to, I think, be more intentional in how in how we lead.
2: Yeah, I love, um, if I could just tag on, I love, Jen, what you're pointing to there. And I think You know, one summary, Lauren, is where do you start? You start with yourself. And, you know, everybody that we work with, I would say almost everybody we work with knows somewhere inside of themselves what they like and what they don't. But many people that we work with have had that beaten out of them. They've, they've been told that they're, you know, what they like is silly or it's juvenile or it's not a way to make money or it's something they have to do outside of work or it doesn't, it doesn't apply to the workplace or 4,000 other things. And so where do you start? You start by being honest with yourself about what you like and what you don't. Oh, I like being creative. I'm an actuary. Mm, that's maybe not the best fit for me. You know, I really like counting numbers. Um, and... Uh, you know, I'm in lawn care, maybe that's not a great fit for me. And we, we often find that people get fixated on kind of the form of what they like. So it has to look a certain way, rather than the substance about what drives them. And so you start with yourself, you start with an honest conversation about this is the kind of work I like and what I don't. And then you can start seeing all the places that we, we abdicate, our own ability to choose our feelings, right? That we give that over to other people. You know, it's frustrating to come home after a long day at work and see that your partner hasn't done the dishes or if you have kids, they've left, you know, their clothes on the floor. That's a frustrating thing. That's different than choosing then to be frustrated by it. And a really pivotal part of of my growth and my career with Jen was losing both of my parents which was incredibly sad and growing into the realization that the event was sad but i didn't have to be sad right so awareness about something leads to this idea of alignment and choices and that that leads to the intentionality that you want to have so just the the space that jen's pointing to allowing yourself to open your eyes and again see without judgment what's out there it's amazing what you already know about what you care about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to segue just for a moment, if that's okay, into the clients that, that you work with and the types of clients that you work with. So when someone wants to have more Purpose in their strategy, or work more toward becoming a conscious leader. Is there a difference in if it's an entrepreneur who's building a one-person company versus a corporate type of structure, and how you you work with those different individuals?
1: We have several different offerings and retreats, uh, coaching services, and. Um, workshops, if you will, or um, offerings that support both conscious leaders and conscious businesses to grow is really the heart of what we do. Um, we love working with anybody who is interested in holistic growth for themselves, their causes, or communities, and their organizations. We work with very large and small for-profit companies and we work with some of the world's well most well-known nonprofit organizations um, to help design purpose-driven strategy and really help them create conscious cultures. So that is much more of a group setting where we're working with a team or the C-suite, the board management. And we'll either do that on site. Or they'll come to our retreat center called Heart Space in beautiful Park City that we've designed in such a way to get people out of their environments and really into this beautiful abode surrounded by nature at the base of Park City Mountain Resort to access um, what what we're just talking about, right? The clarity of what they want to create. What is the purpose for their organization or their brand? How are they different? Who do they serve? What is their mission? And then what's on offer? We call this possibility when the team and the organization and the brand is really living their passions, you know, following through with their purpose with clarity. What's the better world that results? And so we have models and methods for that kind of work. Um, That's more of our strategic side. We call that Meridian and Compass. And then we have a leadership retreat that is for conscious leaders, individuals, anywhere from entrepreneurs, again, all the way up to business owners, CEOs, and everything in between, um, that people come from all over the world who don't know each other to spend three and a half days with themselves and each other and us. And they'll go through Lantern, which is our leadership retreat for conscious leaders. We're now in our eighth year of that and have taken over 300 executives and managers through that training program um, to help them really illuminate their light and get clear on their blueprint, what they care about, what their purpose is, what they're here to do, how they're unique Um, and so those are kind of the two models, maybe Jeff, you want to give some examples of some of the clients we work with, but a variety Mm -hmm. of causes and variety of brands.
2: Well, yeah. And I think Lauren, to your question, um, it, it really, there isn't a difference, you know, whether, whether I'm someone starting my own business and it's just me, or, you know, I'm leading a $2 billion company, It's ultimately, we start the same way, you know, the models basically take us in the same process, which is, what do you care about? What do other people care about? And when we put that together as a group, you know, what's common between all of us. And I think with the larger clients, there's more complexity because there's more people, but not because the business is more complex or the numbers are bigger, you know, what's what's the funny joke for me and Jen is the problems are exactly the same like we can tell you if we're going into a team of three people of a a company that's six months old or a team of 20 people who are executives of a three billion dollar you know consumer packaged goods company that's 200 years old we can tell you they're going to start by saying uh you know I'm not really into this group stuff your website, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve, that's not really us, we need to kind of get to the meat, and everyone's going to say the same thing, everyone's going to make a joke about kumbaya, we've heard it 4,000 times, whatever, and within 30 (laughs) minutes, we're going to have somebody crying in the room, talking about something that they haven't expressed to other people, and it's not because, you know, crying is a path to the soul, although we do believe that, It's because people are so back to unconscious management. People are so starving to be heard and nobody takes the time to do it, right? To what Jen was saying, these people may have worked for each other for 20 years and we'll take the first break after being with them for two hours and we'll say, I just learned something that I've never heard before about someone I've worked with for two decades. Why? Why? Because nobody made it a priority to just slow down and understand. Well, once you do, it actually looks really easy. It's actually amazing what happens when we figure out what we like, we, f- we listen to each other, we put it together in the center of the table and see what we can build together. So while the the service offerings are a little bit different, I do think the process is ultimately the same and it's brilliant and it works. And it's honestly a pleasure to be a part of um, the amazing people that, that we've had a chance to work with and and seeing people, seeing them back to the other point about everybody knows before they come in, we, Jen likes to say that the wisdom's in the room and these thorny business questions or thorny relationship questions or thor- thorny growth questions somebody already has the answer. There just hasn't been space, right? And trust to share it. And so it's a huge honor to create the space and foster the trust.
1: And that's honestly what most most of it's needed is the space. You know, people just haven't had a sacred or safe space to really bring their whole selves to work. And that's part of what we believe is you live one life. The days are well over where you have a personal life and a professional life. And if you're still living that, good on you. It's tough to wear those two different clothes. We know and recognize that there's definitely industries where that's not welcomed yet, but it's coming. And COVID kind of put the crescendo on all of that. But the the environment, you know, to create is the space for people to bring their whole selves to work. And we find that By doing so, then what emerges is so much greater than whatever could have happened on a Zoom call or in a board meeting or, you know, in going from one meeting to another or these decision making kind of workshops that are being told, people are being told what to do. They're not being asked for input (laughs) to co-create the solution that ultimately creates buy-in anyway, Because we all want to be heard, we all want to be seen, and we all want to be valued. So how do we create those communities and those cultures? Once we do, then it's almost, it for sure is the unlock to growth and abundance that we've witnessed.
0: For those naysayers who may be listening, or those who want to get straight to the meat and the nuts and bolts and the numbers and the data and the results, Why conscious and purpose-driven strategy? What what are the results that come from this? Why would a company want to go down this path?
2: Jeff,
1: do you wanna answer that first and I'll
2: follow? Uh, It's, um, yeah, well, one thing just as an aside, Lauren, I'd have to say um, five or six years ago, we decided to stop kind of hiding our process. So if you go to our website, it's very clear, you know, the word hope is mentioned, the word conscious is mentioned, the word purpose is all over it. We talk about head and heart. You know, it's really clear what we do. So we, um, we're we proud of that. We're proud to have the heart on the sleeve. So it's been a while since we had to <laughs> explain ourselves to the naysayers because they, they choose out before they get to us now. Um, however, I would say it's very common for us to have someone call um, on behalf of their organization and say, we tried someone else. We looked at you. We decided it was to, you know, we couldn't understand what you did. We tried another big consulting firm and spent half a million bucks that we'll never get back. And now we need to do it the right way. So that's just, I don't know. That's all an interesting aside. I think, um, You know, at the end of the day, you either get it or you don't. And what you get or you don't is this. Life is about people. Business is about people. Education is about people. Productivity is about people. Growth is about people. Even AI is coded by people. So, you know, the meat is people. (laughs) That is it. And everything else is like, pushing emails around right it's it's like i can make a great spreadsheet your spreadsheet isn't better than mine because the numbers are bigger or because it's longer right the relationships that we make and have the way that we empower people the way that we make them feel good or make them feel belittled that is business that's growth that's organizational success it's all about people and the transcendent leaders Whether they're business leaders or political leaders or spiritual leaders were people that at the end of the day you think of, they understood what it meant to be human. And I think that's what's cool about our work. Before I pass it to Jen, we've seen, I think, a real change in the last 10 years of people saying, you know, it's not about all these other details. That's not where the it is. It's about the human experience and making that better for everyone. And we've all lived through another three years of being reminded that like Zoom isn't fun, right? Email and Slack isn't necessarily about being productive. So I think organizations that don't get that, that don't get that humanity is at the center, aren't really gonna be around in 20 or 30 more years because people are choosing out. People are choosing different ways to get by and get along and do well and do good. So it's, I would just say it's fun and rewarding to work with the leaders that get it and they understand the more they invest in people, the more they will get back. Um, So I could keep going. And obviously I am, I will stop there and hint Jen and say like, how do you, do you feel Jen, that we have to even make that case anymore?
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting reflection. I, sometimes I think we do. I think there's they're not in isolation. That 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 human, the human aspect is not at odds with revenue growth. When you do it right, the revenue growth happens as a result of better human connection, and I think that's the missing piece that we just we have it altered, right? We, these BHAGs and numbers and goals get handed to down to people. And then the human aspect gets squashed because they're demoralized before they even started trying to hit the target versus the, this inside out kind of approach that we, we use human to human is really like extracting not only the cares, but like where what's possible and having the team and the leadership with all different you know levels of the organization co-create that and what results is revenue growth is impact yeah. and it's ultimately fulfilling for the people who made it up too so i think when we get faced with that we just have to turn to our clients and tell them the results you know we we've done some really cool things um our clients would say we've helped facilitate the magnificence of some of the purpose-driven strategies that, you know, companies like Crujan Rum, for example, you know, brought their whole team on the, the cusp of a hurricane that wiped out their distillery in all of St. Croix and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And they were compelled to do something through their brand and not only help rebuild their distillery, but all of the you know, homes and the villagers that lived on the islands. And so through the work that we helped them do, they were able to spin up the Island Spirit Fund, which has now over $5 million in it to help, you know, communities like that never have to weather a storm alone. And that doesn't have to be a hurricane or a uh, earthquake it could be an emotional mental storm and that clarity came out of the work that we did and so when when companies like that really give a shit part of my Swearing, but you know, and really want to care, make it expansive enough so that they can be agile to the demand and need. But they're really clear about their purpose and their brand and their mission and why they're doing what they do. Then they're, they're prepared to act when something like a hurricane comes in that they couldn't have predicted or COVID. No, you know, nobody could have predicted that or some, maybe some people did, but you know, that responsiveness comes from people working together, harnessing their head and hearts and getting really clear about what is on brand, what is on purpose and what is off. And our belief is that that comes from the people making it up. So I think the case studies are really fun to talk about. Um, I would say just one other thought. I think this is really important for anybody listening and it's so underrated is... Whoever you're working with and whatever the impact you have in your leadership or in your relationships or whatever environment you find yourself in, feeling is underrated, but feeling's where the juice is. Like we remember people by the feeling they left us with, and that's what our companies and our brands and organizations and teams and communities do. They leave us with a feeling. And so why aren't we bringing that forth and harnessing that more in our strategies and in our leadership? It doesn't mean it has to dominate the quote unquote practical, the intellect and the wisdom that comes forth, but it definitely earns the right to be in
0: balance with it. Just amazing work that you and your team are doing all the time. And Plenty puts out amazing content. So you all have your own podcast, you have the newsletter, you are doing an amazing job with social media. So if anyone is listening, I would highly encourage them to go check you guys out because even if you're looking for some feel good inspiration, I mean, I on my walks, I will listen to the Plenty podcast. So thank you all for what you are putting out into the world because it is just phenomenal. If someone wanted to find out more about you or tap into uh, the newsletter or your podcast, where would they go?
1: They can go to plentyconsulting.com. That's P-L-E-N-T-Y consulting.com. Yeah. Thank you.
0: You all have a vision. Like I, I can see it. I can feel it. I can hear it. What, what is your vision for, for plenty consulting and even just the world of purpose-driven businesses and conscious leaders within the next five, 10, 15 years?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, back to the the opening, we have lots of possibilities and it's fun to make the plans to put them in place and watch how they change and grow. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you near term and really far term. And so near term, we just finished um, the line edit draft of our first book. Which is going to be out in January. We 90% sure of the title, but um, to slightly to be determined. So watch this space for everybody listening, um, and that's going to be really fun. And that's the culmination of a lot of work and a lot of dreaming and a lot of conversation, a lot of alignment, and honestly, a lot of fun. Talk about following the feeling. Like writing a book together has been incredibly rewarding, way way more so than I think we realized it would be. But so that's the sh- near term and that is a way for us to reach a lot more people and we're excited about that. Um, I would say the on the other side of the spectrum, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, the idea of plenty in a nutshell is that people understand that they're enough, that there is this world of abundance out there, that we all want and we can create it for each other by finding the world of abundance within ourselves, that we have everything we need, that we're cared for, that we're loved, that we're seen. And that starts by being able to give those things to ourselves, right? And there's there's kind of more to this idea than that, but that's it in a nutshell. And that's the core idea of the, the brand Plenty. And as we look ahead to this world that sometimes, despite like all the technology and all the tools feels more disconnected than ever, our real hope is that we create a new sense of connection and community by helping people totally see that they are enough, that they're whole and complete right now as they are. And if we can create that change within individual people, we can truly create a world that is worth us. You know, rather than the world that we have now, that seems to be the world that we we complain about, that we're scared of. So I think that's that's my my big pe- picture, and it's a possibility that potentially um, outlives us, but it's one that feels really gratifying to work towards every day. Jen, what would you? How would you? How would you answer? that? Yeah,
1: I mean, this shared vision is a world of plenty for everyone, and Jeff really unpacked that enough. piece. I think the idea that there's more than enough to go around what would it be like if we could work together in collaboration in community worldwide versus competing in silos and that's all underpinned by a, a mindset of scarcity and that's what we really think we're competing with that there's not enough to go around so we have to hold back and hoard and and be scared that somebody's going to take what we have away well that's not the new world that we're creating and that's on offer for us to manifest and one of the ways we can do that ourselves is by being grateful for what we have and opening our hands and saying wow if there's more than enough to go around then I better do a better a better job of listening and asking and getting curious and you know working together and working with um, others and other companies and you know, so that we can create something that's beyond what I could do on my own. So that idea is all foundationally built upon this, what Jeff was talking about. I can't do that if I don't feel whole myself, if I feel broken, if I feel like I have to do more to be more, it's bullshit. I have to learn how to be more of me now. And that's our hope for everybody listening and including ourselves it's a total practice and when we do that we believe our consciousness raises we believe that we start to spiral up as a human species to be able to access and create a more harmonious peaceful world wouldn't that be a world of plenty like that what would that look like continent to continent if there were no starving children and there there was energy and water and healthy food and infinite supply? Like, let's put our attention to create that world. And I think that's within each one of our capabilities to do so.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and we deserve it. I think it's gotten a little trendy, I feel like, to... Be so pessimistic about humanity, particularly in the environmental space, but I think just generally about politics, about humanity, about the environment to say, well, we screwed it up, so maybe we're not worth it. You know, we are worth it. And if we see that something more is possible, we can envision a cleaner world. We can envision discourse that's civil. We can envision communities that function well, that are cooperative. We wouldn't be able to envision those things if they weren't possible for us to create. So, you know, it comes back to being aware of what we want to see in the world, making the choices that get us there. And then, you know, standing up off the couch and saying that we're going to be part of the solution. But you know, we deserve a clean world that where people live in harmony, where it's safe, where you can express yourself the way that you want. That is still possible for us. It's not something that is in the rearview mirror. And I think that idea really drives us, especially as we talk to a, maybe being old enough to talk to a generation of people coming up after us and saying like, look, pessimism is done. Fear is cheap. You know, it's time to reinvest back in hope. Um, even if people think you're crazy for doing it.
0: That's the word that I was going to use. And what I, what I'm hearing and feeling is there's hope, which is very encouraging because I think in these days we need hope more more than ever. So thank you.
1: My hope is that anybody listening just finds the, uh, the inspiration within this. This is the time we're living in the most powerful time in history to make things better. And we were here for a reason. And so let's harness that. And it sounds cliche, but I feel like it doesn't feel so lonely when we're talking to people like you and each other, that there's more, there are more people that have hope than not. And so turn off yes. the TVs mm-hmm. Stop listening to the news that's telling you that the world is falling apart, you know, and and look to your neighbor and look to your colleague and look to your loved one who has hope in their eyes, your children that are showing us resilience and growth and this beautiful, you know, potential right before our eyes. Like this is where if we can just focus on what is wanting to be birthed rather than the fear of what is crumbling. I feel like we would be in so much of a better place um, in work and life. So that's my hope.
2: the only thing I'd add is Lauren, thank you to you for having us on and for your work. Um, At Plenty, we like to say hope needs help. And so we're always on the lookout for hope helpers. Really appreciate what you're putting out in the world and that you included us in it. So thank you.
1: Really appreciate you.
0: And I would echo that gratitude right back at the two of you and, and your whole team. Thank you for everything that you do.